the season 12 finale get ready for a good one you tuning in today has helped make this show a top podcast thank you to all of the loyal listeners and also those who are new to the show to end season 12 i am bringing on someone who has done it all and also shared a stage with damon john marshall goodsmith martha stewart and so much more she is a founder business behavioral expert nationally syndicated radio host keynote speaker author thinkers 50 radar even she was a former mba program chair at the forbes school of business i'm excited you must be as well to hear this intro additionally she is the show's first interview in arizona and by now many of you know that one of my goals is to interview a founder in each state and as we have an experienced leader here there will be a lot of takeaways stay tuned before I bring her on, you know we have to learn how she podcasts. Diane, which platform do you stream your shows through? Well, that was quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I sound a lot more important. Uh, I I stream just about everywhere. That's the thing. You know, my show is, in addition to being a podcast, is nationally syndicated on AMFM stations. So in addition to everywhere podcasts are uh, aired like itunes and we're also on roku and we're on you know all the google platforms and echo and just about anywhere you find podcasts but it's nice to be on the amfm stations i i use a site uh poditize which transcribes my show as well so i love that because i uh it links to everything that we talk about and since i have three one-hour shows a week that that's quite a bit of content. So it's really nice. Is that also a hosting site? Yes. Yeah. I use a guy named Tom Hazard at uh, Brandcasting U and he has pod poditize is what he uses. I've, I've used Libsyn and some of the other uh, platforms, but I, I like this one a lot. I'm on Buzzsprout. So I'm curious to see how things can transfer over, but how do you like to listen to the, your personal podcast ones that you're tuning in for your enjoyment? You know, I do so much of my own. I haven't listened to as many as I used to, but I, I tend to listen to them um, uh, on uh, my days on weekends. Usually is the only time I have to listen to them. And a lot of it is when I'm driving to my, I have a second house that's out of the heat here in Phoenix is a couple hours away. So I, I tend to listen to it then when I'm on the road. Yeah. So in the car on the weekends, are you Apple or Spotify? If it's on your own, Amazon. I am Apple. <laughs> it's easy. It's I, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, you know, the podcast app on Apple is just so it's it goes to my car. I listen. Yeah. I don't need headphones. And I'm usually um, I usually make my husband listen to my show. Sometimes like if he hasn't heard one. If there's a really good one, I'll go. Oh, you have to listen to this. But in general, I don't listen to my own show. I listen to other people's. I love it. Now we know how Diane podcasts. You will find out how to find the link to her shows at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. And whether you're looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you. If it is your first time sitting down with us each week since December 2019, I have interviewed the founder of a company or brand from around the country and across the globe. They all take you through their successes, let you know what worked well, what did not work well and all of the lessons learned along the way. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. In addition to all of the titles she holds in my introduction, she is also the founder and CEO of Tanera, which is a consulting and media based business. 
They are dedicated to improving organization success and they offer speaking, training, assessment, and consulting services regarding curiosity, emotional intelligence, engagement, generational conflict, and other common business success-related issues. I also learned she's authored multiple books, so stay tuned for her interview on writing with authors. They are required in universities around the world, including Cracking the Curiosity Code, the key to unlocking human potential. I have to now bring her on, Dr. Diane Hamilton. Diane, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining the show. Well, thank you for having me here. I was looking forward to this. I am as well. Would you mind giving our audience a preview to a little more, Diane, before we dive into business talk? <laughs> well, the good thing about getting older is that you've done a lot of things. I'll tell you that. I, I, I'm trying to think of an industry I haven't been in, but uh, I, I was in sales for most of my career. I've done sold everything from computers to um, loans to real estate to uh, you, I was in pharmaceutical sales for 15 years. I worked for AstraZeneca for 20. So uh, I've just about um, got that foundational sales background. Um, I know you were, you know, in the MBA program. I've been uh, MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business, as you mentioned. But I've taught thousands of online business courses. I've worked for so many different online universities. It worked as a short stint as a dean and different things in different aspects. But I mostly work as an associate faculty now. And um, what I do is I take what I learn every day and share it either through my radio show and podcast, or I do in my classes, I'm sharing there, or with Tanera, I'm consulting and speaking and training companies around the, the world to improve curiosity, uh, perception, and a lot of different aspects that help improve engagement, innovation, and uh, ultimately productivity. So um, what when you mentioned that I wrote uh, the book, Cracking the Curiosity Code, I, I was working on that because I had interviewed so many interesting people on my show and everybody from Steve Forbes to billionaires like Craig from Craigslist or what, you know, you name whoever I've spoken with. They were super curious people. So I thought I'm going to write a book about curiosity because I found it so fascinating. But um, I had written my doctoral dissertation on emotional intelligence and been so interested in personality and assessments and things that you could measure. So when I started to write the book, I, I was like, well, where's the instrument to tell you what's inhibiting the curiosity for these people who don't have it? And there wasn't one. And so uh, there was instruments that kind of told you if you were high or low levels of curiosity, but if you're low, then what do you do, right? So I created one and that was really hard, let me tell you. And, but that got me noticed and that's how I won the Thinkers 50 Radar, uh, which is kind of like the Academy Awards for business thinkers. So I was really honored to, to, to get into that group of people. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of was my journey. And now I continue to still teach, still do my show, still run my company. And it's kind of a, a busy day. Yeah, well, congratulations <laughs> on that award winning. And I see your company- it's been around. It's survived. There's a lot of lessons to be learned over 15 years in business. So congratulations there, too. You've been doing it a long time. You've had your own business, run your own show. What are two of the hardest parts for you? The, always the hardest part for me is delegation. <laughs> I, I want to do everything because I know I could do it faster. You know, I'm one of those hyper people, as you can tell from my mannerisms. If For those who aren't seeing me, I'm very hyper. Um, I, I have a very hard time letting people do things for me. And I think that that's something you need to do. Not only do you need to do it to help you with your day, but you need to help them to develop. 
And if you're doing everything for your people, they're not going to develop to the next level. And you actually need to get them to be able to replace you in certain positions someday. And so I think that was one of the hardest lessons. A lot of people I, I, I don't know if I would say, you know, I would micromanage. If somebody worked for me, I would let them do the job. But I had a hard time giving them the things to begin with. And I think that's a hard lesson learned. Yeah. Um, I think another lesson is you tend to throw money at training and things that trying to get the best and and um, most knowledge out there. And sometimes you waste a lot of money in the process. And so, so you're kind of trying to reinvent the wheel and you need to find people, mentors who know more than you do, but not the people who are just trying to sell you something. And I I think that that's a lot of new entrepreneurs fall into that. I teach a lot of entrepreneurship in the thousands of courses I've taught. Most of them are leadership, entrepreneurship, uh, HR, and those types of related uh, courses. And so I, I think, you know, that's the kind of stuff I share with my students because I think a lot of them want to just take every course and go to every mastermind and join every group. And you don't have the time and you definitely don't have the money to do all that. So you have to be very uh, critical thinking in how you pick those types of things. I can definitely see where the delegating can get challenging and entrepreneurship. Your business is your baby. Letting it go is very, very hard because yeah. you know how things you want. I've had interns in the past where in the beginning it wasn't, off to the best start, but I was trying to be patient and understand that things do take time. So great advice there. Is there any advice you can give our audience where you said you kind of found wasting money on wrong vendors, perhaps? Is there any way that you found a way to pick the needle out of the haystack, really? Your Um, selection process. Yeah. I think, you know, you can call a lot of people who have joined some, if some of the mastermind type of things or the groups like that, I think we're the most Some of them are okay. Some of them are just very high price to network. Here's what you get sometimes. Um, If you've ever been to like a chamber of commerce event where you've got your thing, well, everybody else is just selling at you and everybody's selling and nobody's buying. A lot of these things are that way. And what I think you need to do is check with people who have maybe left the group that you're thinking of joining, if you could find them and find out why and what that, you know, I think a lot of People are trying to make money and it, they sometimes do it at the expense of the new entrepreneur. And that that's that, that can be really problematic. A lot of it is doing your research and finding out what it is. Can you get your money back if you don't feel like it's useful? Um, just do your research in that respect. I really appreciate that advice. And I'm writing here in my notes as well to follow up with later. Everybody, entrepreneur is a very attractive term. People think it's this glamorous lifestyle sometime and everybody eventually has the courage. Some don't, but some do start their own thing. Like you said, these events are targeted at taking money from people a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that awareness for our audience. And on this 15 year journey you've had here with your company, there's got to be a lot of ups and downs. Can you describe one of your greatest lessons learned for our audience? Uh, you know, I've changed the direction of the the company so many times from just stumbling into things. So I've added new ways of doing things. And um, probably the thing that I find has been the most helpful to me was to add the things that I love to do. I think you talked a little bit about that before the show, how you change directions, right? And we, we, you know, I think sometimes adding products for me, 
I, since I do a lot of media-based things, the products I added were a lot of it is helping people with radio shows, podcasts, kind of thing like you do. But I also have added a lot more training, which was more my wheelhouse uh, to be online, since that's how I, my first book was about online education. So I, I think sometimes you, you tend to go try to, to meet the needs of other um, areas where it's maybe not your baby. Think of what your baby is, what you feel the most um, fun uh, and, and energized uh, doing. And uh, I think that uh, that has been a big lesson to me. I've added products and things that I do based more on my wheelhouse and not necessarily what I think that uh, the market maybe wants. I did more research to find out what people want from me. I think you sometimes, if you're a consultant, you, you, you have to pay attention to uh, what are people asking you? What kinds of questions are you getting every day? And are you creating content and providing products that meet that need? I love the advice, really doing more research, again, doing your due diligence, and it's mm -hmm. obviously paid major dividends. I want to pick your brain a little further. If you could sit down with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, as a career academic like yourself, I'm really intrigued to see who you'd pick. Who would you like to learn from? Well, it's hard not to pick Steve Jobs. He comes up a lot on the show. I, I had Daniel Goleman on, who's the big name for emotional intelligence, you know, and, and uh, so I wrote my dissertation about his work. So it was very exciting to have him on my show. Yeah. And of course, I asked him about him. And I think just because my focus was so much on emotional intelligence and Steve Jobs has high and low levels of uh, depending on what aspect of emotional intelligence you look at. Empathy, maybe not so great, but the ability to connect with what people really want, really great, you know, and it's a, you think it's almost the same thing, but he, with empathy, you're able to put yourself in their position and, and you would not probably yell and scream at people and do some of the things mm -hmm. that he did, right? But he was able to reach people, their need and, and create products for people in a way like no other. So there's aspects of him that I find really intriguing. And I often wonder if I'd want to work for him and why people would want to work for him. Uh, if he was demeaning sometimes and yet a genius, then what was it that appealed to, to people about him? So I would like to just meet him to just kind of dissect his, his mind a little bit. Well, where would this meeting go down if you could pick the location for it? <laughs> Where would it go down? Uh, I, probably his house, because I'd like to check it out to see what kind of weirdo stuff he had, because he was into a lot of different things. Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that would be my choice. I mean, I think if you were into interviewing Bezos, you'd probably want to do it on a spaceship or, you know, you want to be on their ground, right? <laughs> yes. Recently, I had a guest also say that, but in the past, not too many were the idea of picking their home base makes them feel more comfortable and you can get a lot more out of the conversation. So I like that. Let's look mm -hmm. into the future, though. You have your hands in a whole lot. What are you working on right now? What's on the, the near horizon? You know, I'm doing a lot of course creation right now for different um, aspects of uh, training that I've never done. Um, I, I'm doing some in the mortgage. I used to be in the mortgage field, so I'm doing some of that with another company. I'm working on a lot of boards. I'm, uh, you know, I've worked as every board from the board of advisors for um DocuSign to Radius AI here in, you know, in Arizona and some of these main tech firms. So I, I do a lot of board work, uh, but uh, I've been doing a lot of development in, in 
course creation because I think COVID has changed a lot and I can't be in certain places like I used to. So I'm doing more virtual training um, development at the moment. Course creation, virtual creation, again, pivoting, going with the times. When mm-hmm. did you start doing course creation amongst in your career? Well, I've been teaching online, which created courses and all that since 2006. So I, it's been a, a while that I've, <laughs> I've done some. Um, but, you know, I, one of my first aspects of my companies was to train people how to use Windows when it first came out. It's been a while since I did that, because uh, think of how long Windows has been out. So uh, training has always been um, incorporated into yeah. to what I do. Incredible. Well, persistence. And now look how it's evolved. You're so busy with it. So it's good for you. Now we are going to get your take on the spotlight story. If it's your first time with us, each week I sit down with my guest and discuss the journey of another entrepreneur to inspire you, give you some additional perspective. And as I have an incredible female entrepreneur on the show from Arizona today, I looked for another story and I found Rebecca Clyde and I found this article in Crunchbase as she, quote, fought the funding battle as a female Latinx tech leader. I learned she's an extremely hard worker, very ambitious, and the founder and entrepreneur. She's modernizing healthcare with intelligent chat for patient engagement. I thought that was really cool. 2020 list of most influential women in Arizona. In the article, when she was asked, did you feel welcomed and accepted as an underrepresented group in the VC space? She answered, it's impossible for me to know if I was ever discriminated against, but I certainly did pitch to mostly male VCs and at and felt at times when comparing notes with male founders in similar stages that more, quote, credit was being given for their traction. For example, Mm -hmm. it's very unusual to find a female-founded startup that gets funded pre-revenue or pre-product, but there are plenty of male founders who get that privilege. I also learned what qualities she possesses that she attributes to her success, which I think can relate to people here. Quote, growing up, my family moved around a lot often to a new country every four or five years. So I had to learn how to make new friends quickly and adopt new customs on the fly. These qualities have served me well as a startup founder, which requires me to constantly adapt to change and meet new people, customers, investors, partners. Diane, what do you like best about her story? Well, I like her raw honesty of how, you know, you you can't know what if you're being discriminated against. But, you know, I have seen... Uh, I think the number is a fifth of men have their credit score below 620, but a third of women do. And so there's a lot more women who can't get loans to start their businesses because of it. And a lot of that is because of the disparity of uh, income that we have. And so you've got these issues. But, you know, as you were telling me this story, it brought to mind a story very important to me of a, a good friend who has been on my show. Her name is Roya Maboob, and she was voted a, a Time Magazine's, you know, one of the most influential people of the year one year. And she, I met her through my work at Forbes, and I was on a lot of different boards with Steve Forbes, and different people would be in these meetings, and she was one of them. And I remember going to dinner with her one night, and because she had started a company for women in Afghanistan to be trained to get online jobs so that they could work online so they had never even been around computers and now they're training and and women didn't traditionally have that back then and she had to create her company under the name of her brothers 
and her family because women in Afghanistan couldn't do this. And I remember asking her about this and she said, yeah, she couldn't be the face. She had to, you know, have them be it. And I said, well, weren't you kind of worried, you know, that they might come maybe kill you? (laughs) I don't know what they would do. Right. And she goes, oh, there's worse things than that. And I thought, what's worse than that? And she said, you know, for her, it was a shame it could bring her family should they find out that she was wow. running this company. And so you think you think you've hear you've heard women discrimination stories till you hear something like that. And that's a big one. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, absolutely incredible. And she's found her way now to the Times list. So mm-hmm. everyone out there, if you didn't get enough motivation from her Diane's testimonial today, that story right there should push you over the edge. And I have to thank you so much, Diane, for taking the time to sit with our audience today. I really appreciate how you went to the difficult parts where delegating can be challenging. That's got to be the same for not the same for all entrepreneurs, but a lot where, as I described it, everything I do is my baby. It's I'd rather put in the hours and do it myself. I also liked how you touched on adding products that were in your wheelhouse, as you said, things that complemented you, not just putting out things you think would make most money doing research. You emphasize the entire show. That's a very big lesson for everyone. I'd like to now ask you for your last word. Well, I think everybody needs to have good mentors. And I think that if you don't have some great mentors in your life, uh, I, I, I'm on another board I'm on is the Global Mentoring Network, uh, Global Mentor Network. And some of that is learning from others who have done things that I'd like to learn to do. And if you aren't surrounding yourself with people who are smarter, you're making, uh, you know, losing out on a big opportunity. So find those people, look for, seek mentorship. I couldn't agree with you more. The mentors have played an enormous role in my life. Shout out to Rod, Lee, Tony. Thank you all for the roles you played in my life. And I would now like to ask you how everybody can get in touch with you. Not only get in touch with you, but request your services, find your books, all that good stuff. Well, you can find me on all the social media sites at Dr. Diane Hamilton. And Dr.'s just the DR without any space. And my website's drdianehamilton.com. But you can also go right to the Curiosity Code uh, Index and Training if you're interested in the curiosity aspect at curiositycode.com. But you can also get that um, through the drdianehamilton.com site. Be sure to check out all of that great content right now. And also check us out. We are at That Entrepreneur Show on all social media, except Twitter. We're at Podcast by Lancey, so you get updates from each show. I'm at Vincent A. Lancey for all social media and YouTube, and my website is vincentalancey.com. Let me know if you check out one of my books. I would love to share your support, and the most recent is Mental Health Week. We have to end the show with a quote, and this one is from the Spotlight Entrepreneur. When asked what advice she has for female founders at the beginning of their journey. First, you must believe in your vision and be so committed to it that you can overcome the overwhelming amount of obstacles that you will face. Then just be prepared for a lot of rejection you will have you probably never experienced. I certainly never had. I was a classic high achiever from a young age that always excelled in everything I ever did. It's different in entrepreneurship. The this, this system is designed to reject us. So realize that going in and prepare accordingly. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week on That Entrepreneur Show and for a new season. Diane, thank you for ending season 12. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. This was so much fun. 